Stand clear. 100% wild podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to definitely not your favorite outdoor podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. This is episode number 302, and we are powered by DeerCast. Probably or probably. Meh. <laughs> it's just amazing how many of our rack packers were under the impression that every time we have a sponsor, you're saying, mm, probably brought to you by <laughs> insert sponsor. I think it. I think <laughs> I need to enunciate better. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say yesterday? You get some Skittles in your mouth? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I've never struggled with it. I knew exactly what you're saying because you're reading the script. <laughs> I can't read <laughs> no, or pronounce. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're clearing it up. It's proudly. They're proud proudly to be we, sponsors. And we're proud to have them. Very proud. <laughs> okay. So speaking of proud, you're Matt Drury. I'm not that proud. No. <laughs> you're Tim Chelswick. We don't really have anything to be proud of no. yet still in the season. Yeah. And we're running out of season. Well, it's 2023. <laughs> we got <laughs> about two weeks left here. A week, actually, by the time this airs. You know, I was talking to our buddy Layden Forrest, and he said he's not even drawn his bow on a deer this yeah, season. Same. Well, no, no, no. In Missouri, I should say that. Yeah. yeah. And you, you're in this. Well, you've killed. Killed some does. Some does, which, yeah. You know, which is fun. I love doing that. But. Uh, you got a full freezer. Nothing like taking a mature <laughs> this buck. The ultimate dig. So over the holiday break, well, two, two things. First of all, the major cold front the cold front of all cold fronts came through right at christmas <laughs> and as predicted Thanks, christmas christmas eve the first time i've seen a shooter on camera in daylight <laughs> in forever and then christmas day same shooter the one deer i'm after and he was daylight again mm -hmm. uh so that was a insult uh, to injury and then of course it was you know family stuff for 10 days straight and <sighs> stupid family. pretty much missed the muzzleloader season and it was warm after that it warmed up to the 60s so crazy i didn't have yeah. any pictures in daylight through that period but here's the ultimate dig okay. so i'm at christmas mm -hmm. and my niece uh my oldest niece she's in college and she it's kim's daughter and she's got a boyfriend. He, so now we're to the point where these kids all, they're all growing up and they're all in college, they're getting in yeah. college and they have boyfriends and girlfriends that come to Christmas with them. Well, this kid doesn't know anything about hunting and, mm -hmm. and he's, he's being conversational, a nice mm -hmm. guy. And, and he's like, yeah, I've been following, uh, uh what, what's the big announcement you have? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to think. I was like, are you talking about that? I bought a farm. <laughs> that was, oh, geez. that was last year. Cause and, I got nothing going right now. Yeah, yeah. And then he, and then he goes, uh, so you, you kill anything yet? I'm like, nah, I've had a tough season. And he goes, no meat for the freezer. God, that's gotta be, <laughs> that's gotta be tough. At this, right, point this guy's here. a loser. I'm like, all right. Yeah. That's pretty tough. <laughs> he doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get it at the holidays. Uh, did you see the rack pack picture? Yeah. Where the guy, said, you're Bob Ross. Yeah. He put my <laughs> face in Bob Ross head, and it said painting. What was it? Painting. All the bucks I killed this year, and it was a yeah. piece of white paper. <laughs> I said, well, technically, I did kill one. You killed more T than I have. Tim's the one that uh -huh. should be. Yeah. <laughs> Make me Tim Ross. Yeah, that's right. Well, just to, to tease what we got coming up on this show today, we're going to be talking about the rut down south with our buddy Steve France, a longtime DOD team member. We've got a, a really crazy black bear encounter from one of our rack packers. Yeah, Captain C-Square Nuts. We... <laughs> <laughs> We are uh, we're talking about how to do scent control 
when you're eating and or drinking in the stand. And <laughs> like Budweiser's or <laughs> what are we drinking? <laughs> I mean, it can't hurt our odds right now. And uh, and we've got kind of a next level rack pack shout out. Oh, next level. Mm-hmm. So you're and trying now, to really stump me on this one. It's it stumped Scott. Scott will normally preview them and I'll kind of run them past him to see if he can figure it out. He uh, he had a couple ideas, but I had to explain it. All right. So I look forward to without it. any further ado, Steve France, what? zooming in from Alabama. What's up, Steve France? How's it going, buddy? What's up, guys? Man, I'm doing awesome. Doing awesome. Appreciate you guys having me on here today. Yeah, so Steve, you know, he's been a Drury Outdoors team member, him and Jared Gibson, for a long time now. They were originally on Dream Season mm-hmm. and were always kicking butt on dream season and then when we switched over to critical mass of course they they're still a part of that and we can always count on steve for a frenzied midwestern <laughs> rut tour like I, I can't remember you know maybe one year out of a decade of hunting with us where you might have had a tough midwestern rut i mean usually you find a way to kind of scratch and claw your way through about three states and have some really good kills throughout those states so i thought it would be interesting to have you on because right now this time of year the southern rut is really starting to peak and i thought hey it'd be cool to hear your thoughts and opinions on that and strategies and then kind of uh you know one of the things that tim wanted to talk about is how you approach your midwestern rut and and that kind of tour because you have a young family and you have a business that you run and to, to take that time off, you kind of plan it out ahead of time. And then you just, you know, it's, it's, you kind of roll through three or four States typically. And it's always amazing to see the success you, that you have. So I guess let's start there with Tim's questions. Take yeah, it away. Tim. You just, you just asked them all for me. So thank you. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's funny because like I'm complaining about having to go out to a property that's 15 minutes from my house to move cameras around, but you've got, You've got a few different leases and ground that you're hunting here in the Midwest. It's you know a few hours to drive. How do you how do you manage your your trail cameras, your stands, like you're doing your setup and then monitoring all that, and then actually making a plan to go in to hunt? Yeah, man, it's I, I honestly I, I even every year I'm like, am I going to be able to do this again next year? I mean, as far as produce, because it is tough, you know. And I'm glad you guys highlighted that. Um, not looking for a pat on the back for it, but it is tough, you know, coming from Alabama, going to the Midwest, you know, you're anywhere I go is a minimum of 12 hours, you know? Mm. So normally Jared and I, you know, we have our own, our own private lease uh, in Illinois or leases, and those seem to change every other year. Right. So it's tough to, to, to really hone in because, you know, we'll, we'll, what we'll do, this is kind of what I've done every year. We'll take off towards the end of August. We'll pull a week. And we'll go up there and on all the leases, we'll check stands, we'll hang new stands, we'll take data from what we had last year, what the deer were doing, hang new sets, hang all our cell cameras up and all that now. You know, that used to not be that way. Normally we got a bunch of cameras up. When we get up there, we got to check all the cameras, right? Well, also now, you know, some of the leases you don't get sales service, all right? So we don't know what we got. So, but I'm hunting not patterning deer, I'm hunting the rut, right? So it's a little different because some deer we got, I get there and they're not there, you know? So you know, I just got to go off previous hunting from the previous years and what the cameras are showing me up to when I get there. But yeah, guys, it's, it's, it's a grind. It really is, but I love it. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I love the challenge every year. Um, but we put our cameras out. I normally head up late October, 
you know, I, I was getting up, having a trip, you know, now that the family's getting bigger and bigger, I got four kids, you know, the, it, my midrest trip, even though I'm still gone a few weeks, you know, I used to be gone the last week of October. That's kind of out. And I hate that because I love that week. Sure. But I normally get up around the 1st of November and whatever cameras we got, we check. And, you know, it's funny because almost every year, guys, like, I kill a deer typically out of a stand that we didn't even have hunted that I just hung it, hang the hunt out of. It's so crazy. It's like, yeah, well, we're hanging on these stands. We probably won't kill nothing out of them because we're going to throw up a stand, you know, midday one day. Mm-hmm. And it's like that all the time. I don't know why, but, but anyway, it is a grind. And, um, you know, it's just like where I killed the dynamite farm. You know, I got a 160 acre lease to a friend and I get in there and that farm didn't have good sales service most of it mm-hmm. we pull the cards and that there's dynamite biggest deer i've ever killed biggest deer i've ever seen and that's a 160 acre lease and monster is short you know great killed that deer killed a few deer off that farm and then boom it's gone mm-hmm. somebody stole it i got some ideas on who i think it is i'm pretty sure but yeah. here i am with a new farm this year right so it's just every year it's constantly um and, and i want to purchase a farm up there and I, I've, I've been blessed in life to get to the point where i'm, I'm able to do so but i got four little or three little boys that like to hunt and to me being in alabama it makes more sense to me investing my money in a farm down here where i could spend more time with them on something and have my more hands-on just a couple hours from home yeah. than up north so it's a racket up north for me guys but i do get it done somehow thank god um every year but so so on that when you're going to you know illinois or whatever missouri or whatever state you're in i know some some of those states you'll hunt with outfitters but like you said the illinois you're always with you always have a lease or two and you're always picking up a new lease or losing a lease like every year it seems like you guys lost a lease and you picked up a new one so when you're going in the first week of november you know and the ruts maybe just really starting to kick off what are you honing in on what are you keying in on to hang and hunt or you know is it is it travel corridors is it pinch points is it you know what what is it that you're succeeding on the most because most of your stuff seems like it's timber hunts in illinois it, it is and believe it or not i always me personally i start off just from a pressure standpoint even though you're still busting stuff in fields if you don't have the right access i do kind of start off on field edges but you guys never see me shooting on, on field edges. I, I don't i don't prefer it but I'm not set up. I, I did. We did it in years past where I'd go in. We we'd have farms where we could put food plots in, mm-hmm. you know. But now that I've got four kids and not one kid, and you know I got two businesses and I, well, you know, it's just hard to do it. So I, I went from you know trying to quit worrying about food plots and trying to pattern the deer and go up and kill one early season and all that. I, I just can't do it. I ain't got time to do it. So I just go out there and I'm just you know, throwing a horseshoe out there to see if I can make it happen in the rut. But I do start off on the field edges just to kind of monitor, see what I'm seeing, see where deer in the woods, whatever, seeing if I can get lucky because I would like to kill. I've killed very few deer on the field edge, me personally. I'm more of a timber grinder, but I feel okay doing that because my farms don't have any pressure on them when I get there, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the guys in Midwest, if, if this is just me, I'm thinking, if that's the only place they're hunting, you know, it's hunting season. Everybody wants to get out there, right? So a lot of guys that aren't using deer cast and going when it says great and just going because, you know, no offense, they're a weekend warrior. And this They got to go because they only get much time to go. And there's nothing wrong with that. Go, man. You can't kill them on the couch. But sometimes people are going when they shouldn't and it's putting pressure on the property. Where, where I'm showing up, I've got an untouched farm, at least I think, 
you know, depending on what my neighbors are doing, but what my neighbors may do, be doing may be helping my farm out, right? So I show up with unpressured deer, and then I just kind of, you know, every every year's a little different, but it seems like, you know, like this past year, Matt, um, one of the deer, a deer I killed with my bow, um, there's this little high ridge on this 160-acre farm we got, and you can see it from a stand, and we keep seeing deer up there, but it was just right off a gravel road. The guys, uh, the neighbor's house is right there, you know, all that stuff. And, and in Alabama, that's a no-no. But in the Midwest, you can do that. But still, I'm just in my head. I was like, you know what? I'm putting a cell camera up on that hill this year, right right there off the gravel road where we parked the truck. And I'm just going to see. You know, we always say we need to hang a stand there. Well, <clears throat> just, just to go to show you kind of how my Midwest stuff works, you know, I'm constantly – I mean, you'll see, I mean, guys, this is hilarious, but you'll see me. I mean, I'm telling you, I have my phone in the dang shower half the time checking my freaking cell camera. I mean, I'm psycho. So, but, you know, here's this deer that shows up. The deer, one of the shooters we were hunting, and he's done, he's come through there the first night I got the camera. Well, then I was like, you know what? And it was right after daylight. I said, we got to go hang a stand in there. So me and Muscles roll up in there midday, hang a set. Wind was perfect for the next day. We get out of there, come in the next morning. And I guess you guys seen that, and it was a terrible shot. But this deer walks in behind me doing a freaking interview. I mean, I'm doing the interview talking about this deer that we just hung the set on yesterday. Behind you. I, I just told you guys most all the time it's a different freaking set that I kill a deer out of every time. But and here he is walking behind me in the frame on the camera. But it's just it's just crazy. But you know, I, every year seems to be different. I just seen me personally. I go a lot off just instinct and just my gut a lot i've I, I don't know i've always been my brothers always tell me like dude i don't know how you do that i just don't understand it and i don't either i don't know if this is a god-given instinct or what but i've literally i'll have something thinking and this is halfway dumb you know because you're kind of pressuring your farms but i'll get down out of a dang stand pack all my crap up because i feel like in my gut i got to be over there and i'll go over there and then i'll kill a deer this is crazy so, but my grind not only is grinded for three weeks, I'm grinding while I'm there. Like I really am. It's not just like, okay, I got these six stands of the hunt. What's the right way? I'm going to go sit here and see if I kill a deer, you know, mm-hmm. you know, but it's just, I, I just don't have an enemy. It's something about an enemy. I'm constantly just in my head, what do I need to do next? Well, you know, I'm looking at the cameras, looking at what deer are doing and, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. I don't have any special sauce guy. I'm, man, I'm really, I'm. <laughs> It, it sounds it sounds like you are you a, can't sit still aggressive and ADD. <laughs> that's what it sounds like, and so that's kind of a trait Mark has, honestly. Yeah, and, never, and, never and, stop moving. And it's not that you're making necessarily silly moves. You're making smart moves, but you're being aggressive at the right time. So, and of course, during the rut, those that's the time to be that way, if any time. And you kind of get away with a little bit more during that period. So it's not that, you know, in that case, you, you've been seeing deer up on that hillside. You hang a camera there. You get a picture of the buck. So you hang a stand and boom, here he comes. What about, you know, in general, is it, uh, you know, a, um, a rub line? Is it, is it, you know, trails? Is it pinch points? Like there's gotta be something that you're typically honing in on because you've just every year seem to have the same type of success in, in the timber. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm honing in on maps and topography and all that big time on pinch points and ridges meet and the obvious, you know, pathway for deer, you know, especially up there in Fulton County where I'm at, it's a hilly, 
it's pretty hilly up there. You know, it's really not much flat ground. So if you're not on a field edge and you're in the timber, which is much of the Midwest is like that. That's why there's not a field there, right? Because they, they couldn't, you know, put agriculture there. But that place is pretty steep in areas. So it is it's a little bit easier, in my opinion, to hunt those type properties because you can kind of figure out the deer travel corridors. And in my, my opinion, it's just, everybody knows this, you know, access is so big. To me, access is the biggest out of all of it. So where I see deer traveling, uh, like I said, I monitor from a distance from the fields and see where deer are coming in and out of the timber. Then I figure out where I can access and set a, stand, uh, a point. But I also, man, guys, I mean, cell cameras nowadays, they change the game. I mean, let's just be honest. Um, cameras in general have changed the game because you can put stuff where you want to be and stay out of there and see what comes through there, especially on specific spots like a pinch point or a, a fence gap or something like that. And that's really helped too because, you know, and really you, know, you can't have too many cameras to say it. You can if you're going to be in there checking them every day. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. But the the cell cameras, I like putting them up because it, it kind of does a little bit of hunting for you. I mean, you can't always go off your cameras, I say, but if you got those certain spots, they're watching these spots for you. And you're like, you know what? In the last week, I've had I've had like four shooters come through that spot. I mean, mm -hmm. duh, that's a no-brainer. How can I get in there? What time are they coming through? How can I get to them without busting them where I think they're coming from or, or maybe bedding or not bedding? And, and see, the farms I have, you know, I don't really have everything going for me. I don't like have the bedding areas and the whatever. Some of my farms are rut farms anyway. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're not just there i'm hunting the neighbor's bucks you know what i mean so yeah. but no man you, you hit the nail on the head matt i mean obviously anywhere i see the sign the scrapes i'm i'm, I'm gonna be in there i'm gonna have my stuff set up in there and see if i can and figure it out and look hey is everything that happens with me from my kill just flat out skill from steve absolutely not i mean i mean sometimes i'm like i can't believe i killed a deer right here you know what i mean <laughs> that's nothing to do with me i'm just a normal everyday hunter man i just grind when i'm out there and golf my own stink and really what i've learned from you guys i mean well, not us specifically dre outdoors <laughs> yeah the collective you guys is not mark and terry <laughs> right. well and, and like i i've got a timber stand that I i've been hunting the past the past month here off and on and i've been noticing deer heading down a kind of a different direction and i flipped over to deercast maps and i switched over the map layer to topography mode so you can see all the contour lines and, and you can't really tell this just by looking at the area, but if you look at the topography, it kind of has a little V. There's a little bit of a finger that comes down out of a cedar thicket that they just kind of, it's not a, it's not a ridge, not a pronounced ridge, but it's enough of a ridge that they've shelf. Yeah. That, that they've used that. And it's kind of become a, a little highway. So like, Oh, I'm going to like Steve, you were talking about you know, why, observing why you're in the stand and then making a move. So I hung a different, a different set just by, looking in the woods you wouldn't know that that is a travel corridor but by observation and then backing that up with topography you're like oh that i guess that is a a, a, a land feature that they're using yeah and to that point i'll say this too you know back on the dynamite uh farm you know i i didn't know anything about the farm you know how it is when you hadn't hunted a farm you kind of got to learn and it takes a few years well the previous guy at least that i you know after the fact he had told me he had this dynamite's picture a couple of years before that and i never seen him again but there's this big finger that i killed dynamite and that they never hunted mm -hmm. well you know it's if you look at the access from that farm i mean i was even thinking i was like specifically i was like if i called mark right now and told him that about this deer and what i'm doing where i'm going can he tell me i'm the biggest moron probably because mm -hmm. i mean you would be from a hunting stand i mean you just this duck but my point is 
I hunted from the field edge for that deer for eight days, did not ever see him. And I had pictures of him every single night on the field edges. And I was scared to death of busting going in the field, but it was just 160 acres. I have to park here. This is my only access going in. What do I do? Not hunt him? So, but I never seen him. But just to just to relay kind of how things work, I had one camera in the creek bottom down there that I hadn't pulled yet and I couldn't get service. And I said, I, it was a windy day. And I said, I got, I can't take it. I got to go down there and check this camera. Because it's in the big finger where he's kind of around. Go down there, pull the card, October 24th, something like that, a couple of days before that daylight in that creek. Well, it's a no-no spot to hunt because you're in a deep ravine and you know your wind's going to swirl in there like crazy. And it's just kind of a no-no spot, not saying it can't be done. But, of course, for me, being kind of at that point, kind of, you know, worried about the rut, worried about going to the neighbors, getting killed. I'm on 160 acres. Like, I've got to get aggressive. i got to get off these field edges. So I go down there. I hang a double set in this creek. I said, only hunting here if it's one of those high-pressure thermals rising in the mornings where there's no wind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and the next morning it was. So I'm going to speed this up. But I get down there, and just as a glimpse on the other side of this finger, up on my – close to my property. Well, I say that. I, I've got – on the back side of the finger was a standing cornfield up there, way up top on top of the ridge. And inside that cornfield, about 50 yards, was the property line. Well, you couldn't access from that way because there was no access over there. But what I want to tell you, you were talking about topography and stuff. When I'm down that bottom, I look up that morning, and then you kind of, it was kind of like a skylight on top of the ridge. I seen a doe, really thick. And I threw my binoculars up, thinking, it's so funny, ironically, I was like, it's dynamite behind that doe. And I'm looking through binoculars. He walks through my lenses. I'm like, oh my God. You know, so my camera guy at the time, I think it was Dwayne. I was like, he, I know he's not going to know what the deer is. I was like, give me the camera, give me the camera. I'm trying to get a, just a clip of the deer. But my point is, when I seen that, he was locked on that doe. I held back the next morning. I didn't go in there because the wind was wrong. Matter of fact, we got out about it. I was scared to death he might swing around and come into me because that finger peters out up here in the crops and they're going that way. Mm-hmm. They'd have to go across a crop field a pretty good distance. So I was like, they might circle back through here. Wind got bad. I got out. Next morning, wind was wrong. Too windy. I didn't even hunt the next morning. And I, I don't do that typically because I only got so much time to get stuff done. But dynamite was the deer I was after. And I wasn't, you know. So here's the thing. <clears throat> I got a self, a self camera right on the field edge off that, that finger that I've been hunting. And there he was again without the doe. He's still doing the same stuff. And he was out that doe. I said, I couldn't take it. I said, I'm going across the bottom through the creek up the side of the hill where I seen him walking up there and I'm going to go hunt on the edge of that cornfield. Cause I seen him daylight there. I didn't see any daylight nowhere else. I had any daylight in that creek. Mm-hmm. But the dumb thing is guys, I walk across the bottom, across the creek, up the ridge to the cornfield, turn around, climb a tree with tree climbers. Cause I didn't want to bang around. I didn't want to trim nothing. Try to climb a tree with tree climbers and face back the way I just came in. Like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're an idiot. Like I'm, I'm deep down. No, I'm not. But I'm just like, you know what? If the good Lord wants me to kill this deer, I'm going to kill him. It, period, period. That's kind of the mindset I had. But going to what you said, Tim, I didn't get to really scout in the summer. It's a little different and it's, you're all over this farm trying to figure stuff out. It's thick. And, but what you, to your point, there's these little, there's these little, uh, kind of like a mini ravine little ditch gullies that come up up to that cornfield and they would peter out and there's several of them but what it did it had these deer pinched down to funnel along that cornfield down to those points of those gullies instead of them having to cross them cross them and cross them there's a trail just to beat down well i didn't see that in the summertime when i was scouting well then there's this big rub up there so anyway long story short we go up there doing everything you shouldn't do 
you know, going in crazy, tromping through the fields, tromping down through the turn around, sit back there and, and ended up killing the deer, you know, but did he come from telling, where you accessed? Believe it or not, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so where we walked up the hill, Matt, when I, I'm literally facing the trail I walked in on, we had a, um, we had a, the wind shifted that day and uh, the, the, it was perfectly blown at us into the corn kind of like, like this. Well, it shifted around this way, northeast, and started blowing kind of into the timber about midday. And I was like, gosh, kind of back. We're facing out in front of us. So anyway, I, I heard dynamite coming at about 3.30. I heard a stick pop. I looked up. And I'm telling you, if my wind's here, dynamite's about right here coming <laughs> coming at us. And I mean, I'm just telling you. But when he kind of, that's why, if you remember the hunt, it was quick. I was yeah. like, if I get a shot, I'm, I'm taking it. Um, because he's about to hit my scent trail hundred mm-hmm. percent. Like he's fixing to walk over yeah. whether he's going to smell me or not. I don't know. Cause you know, we have that happen all the time. Deer don't smell you, but sometimes they do. And that big sucker, I was worried about smelling me. Yeah. So, but it just worked out, man, you know, but something about, you know, the topography there is those deer, they have their travel areas and it's just hard. Sometimes it's just hard to figure them out, but man, those topo maps, uh, especially with deer cast maps, man, they freaking, they definitely help you. There's no doubt about it. Heck yeah. So as you transition into, you know, you, you get, you get out of the Midwest, you kind of take a break there for a little bit and you get back home and you start taking your boys hunting and you know, you, you guys are hunting there on, now is it a, I know for a little bit you had your own farm down there and did you guys end up selling that? You had a list of Mossy Oak properties. Did you end up selling that piece and getting a different piece? Yeah, I did. So we had a place that we named Dreamland Plantation. We had it just for two years. And I had it in with my brother, uh, Jeff. We went in together. It was about right at a thousand acres. It was a phenomenal place. Um, I knew whoever bought it was going to be happy with it. There's just no doubt. Um, uh, it was just nothing against my brother. It was just I kind of wanted my own piece. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I felt like if, I didn't want to step on his toes if I wanted to invite a guest or it was just it was something like that. We didn't really had it was really no animosity. We had a great time hunting. It was just I just kind of wanted my own piece, you know, like anybody else would. So we 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 decided to sell that piece. And yeah, I did buy another farm. That's a brand new farm this year. The same farm crew just killed on a few days ago. Yeah. Um, not far from there. Same county. Matter of fact, Chris Holly with Mossy Oak Properties, who we listed it with, and he sold. He helped to sell Dreamland, and uh, he's almost my neighbor now on my new place. Nice. He's, in fact, I'm I'm about a half a mile from him, and then I'm about a mile from Toxie Toxie Hayes's farm. He's got a he's got several farms in Bama, but mm-hmm. one of his farms is about a mile from me there too. So it's, I think it should be a pretty good area. I got some pretty good deer on camera. I'm pretty excited with it so far. Yeah. So as you get into this period of the year, the rut really starts to get into full swing down there. What are the strategies that you take? I mean, do you is there anything that correlates from the Midwest? down to the south as far as how you're hunting i mean the trains obviously probably a little bit different but what what are some of the things that you may take away from what you've learned in the midwest and and put towards what you're doing down south yeah absolutely good question so one thing that one of the biggest thing i can talk about a bunch is you know one thing i learned in the midwest is the growling and the the buck roars and stuff like that. You know, I don't ever really hear that down in Alabama. I think I've heard it one time. Most guys down here that just hunt Alabama, they're not Midwest hunters. They think you're an idiot to pull something like that out. They just would. The deer aren't as vocal down here. At least, at least 
you don't hear them as much. It may be because you're in these dense woods or whatever. You're not, you can't see as much. You're not looking at down and field edges, you know, for hundreds of acres running around and grunting and growling at does and stuff like that. But I've taken what I've learned um, just from what I hear in the woods from deer. And I try to recreate that myself with my own calling. And, but I've implemented that in Bama and guys, for all you Southern guys, I'm telling you it works. I've had buddies with me and they're like, what the heck is that thing? Like, what are you blowing I'm like, just sit back and watch. Matter of fact, my son was with me the other day. I said, boys, you want me to growl uh, growl up a buck? Yeah, daddy, yeah. And they're like, what is, what are you doing? I'm like, it's it's a growl. Why aren't you grunting? Even my little son said this. I said, just sit back and watch. I'm saying, Lord, please bring something out so I bet he can look cool, right? That <laughs> yeah, doesn't look stupid. So, you know, but I blow on this, this uh, the DODHS butt bark. I love that call, by the way. And guys, it was funny, like 45 seconds. I got this big, goofy-looking, mature buck that I don't know if I should shoot or not, probably. But he's got this big old fork that comes out, and he's broke on one side. And I just, he was too far anyway for crew to shoot him with that blackout he shoots. But he comes out in the lane. And the deer, I told the boys, he, he went in, he come across the road, he went into the timber. I said, watch, he's going to circle back out in front of us downwind in this lane here. And boom, there he was. But so to answer that question, Matt, Matt could tell you several things. But one thing that I think, and I can't speak for everybody in the South, but a lot of people I know, they're, they might grunt here and there, but they're against the, they don't even know what a growler grunt is. You know what I mean? But to me, it's been very successful. Um, taking what I've just heard in the woods up there and just implementing it down here and it does work, but I'm, I'm kind of against the blind calling thing personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did it in Missouri this year on, on a hunch. Uh, and the, that, that 10 point come right in out of nowhere. I did it just for the boys that are there and had luck and I have luck blind calling, but to me, I've seen it scared deer off too. Don't get me wrong. It's not like you're not going to scare deer off, but one big tactic that I would never would have learned, I think from not hunting the Midwest would be the roar, the roar and the growl and stuff like that. Because the bucks, they're deer, deer. They do it, you know. It's just the guys down here don't hear it as much. So it has helped me many times down here. Whitetails are probably thinking, oh, there's an out-of-stater here in the woods. we gotta go, <laughs> we got to go rough him up a little bit. He don't talk like us. <laughs> there you go. But no, Matt, you know, down here in the south, man, it's just and, – and also being down here, I think, has helped me in the Midwest too. But – you know, it's, it is different, man. It's like, it's really tough to try to figure out a bedding area down here, you know, because everything is thick pine plantation or clear cuts that are grown up. And you're like, what's, what's the bedding area here? I mean, yeah. there's big tree tops laying everywhere. There's a, and then, and then you think, where's the food source as well. If you got a farm that's got all these native browns everywhere growing up, because you know, you got a lot of timberland property down here where these timber companies are cutting timber, mm-hmm. you know, they're thinning timber and everything changes yearly, you know, because first you didn't have this, but now your neighbor just let cut it all his pines and now they got regrowth in there. And now some of your deer pulled there and it's just, it's hard to hone in um, from a food stamp. No, no, we put our food plots in, don't get me wrong, but see like, for instance, in the Midwest, once all the acres are done up there and the crops are, you know, there's some stuff deer they're picking in the cornfield. You guys got them food plots? I mean, dude, it's freaking game. It's money, right? Matt's sitting there thinking, yeah, right, Steve. I've been hunting food plots. I ain't killed a shooter yet this year. But I know what you're saying. But but my point is, in Bama, though. No, it should work like, that way. <laughs> right, right, right. But in Bama, it is tough. It is tough trying to figure a betting, trying to figure out 
you know, you can sit on a food plot and hope he walks in there and they do, but you know, it's, it's, it's everything. It's, it's just, there's not a lot of open ground, mm -hmm. um, especially where I'm hunting. There's not a lot of like, this is where they're eating for sure. This is where they're bedding for sure. Here's where I need to be to catch them. You know what I mean? So the best thing I found out to try to just say, okay, this is where this deer's bedding is using a freaking lot of cameras mm -hmm. and trying to look at what time he's coming through. Okay. I keep getting him over here. I've got him pinpointing, you know, and then just on a hunch, like, I think he's bedding this way from what he's doing. I need to be here to where I don't bump him. You know, I think this is an area I need to be hunting in, yeah. you know, to, to maybe intercept this buck. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so, but, you know, as you, so is it that they just kind of move a lot further or are they, are they moving a short distance or that, is it like open ground and they kind of really cruise all over the place? Like what's, what's the terrain like? Yeah, man. No, like, like, and that's the thing, you know, Bama is so hard because we got like guys, like we got, like, I'm telling you, you, you could be in South Alabama, very South, like where I'm living. And you're not going to see any rutting activity till February, you know, mm -hmm. but then you get up me in central Alabama where I'm at, like right now, the rut's about to pop pretty decent. I've seen some small bucks chasing, but you go between me and central Alabama, you're not going to see any rutting activity till late January, but you can also get in an area like where I'm at. I've got a guy that's literally four miles as a crow flies from me. Mm -hmm. He killed a 150 something the other, uh, the other day before Christmas, the week before Christmas. And I, I got with him. I was like, hey, man, and this is a pretty big landowner. It's like, how, you know, because I know how Alabama rut is. It's crazy. I mean, you can be five miles down the road and it's a week difference or oh, three geez. weeks. It's crazy. So he, this is a specific example. He's like, yeah, man. He said, because I asked him, I said, when's the rut more predominant through here? Because I'm 15 miles north of where, where my dreamland farm was that we sold. And I just want to see if it's any different because I know how sporadic Alabama rut is. Mm -hmm. And He's like, dude, they're wide open here last week of Christmas, even up to the week of Christmas. He, and he's, you know, he showed me the 150 you kill, which is a giant on Alabama chasing a doe. Well, my place, dude, I got all the does with yearlings and, and fawns and the nubheads are still with them. And it's, it, you know, at that time, there's nothing. And, but he's, he's literally as a crow flies, I can show you on the map, he's four miles from me, you know? So, mm -hmm. Not to just get off the question, I know you asked me about the train and how it is, but man, Bama's so screwy. Everything down there. Mississippi's like that too. And so is Georgia. And so is like you can go to Georgia, same height than Alabama over to Georgia. They're running in November. Where I'm up there in the Midwest. So Steve, then the, you know? like what's the earliest that it feels like the hunting finally gets good around you? About about now, Christmas. So it's yeah. funny, man. I heard you say something about your shooters on Christmas. Dude. That cold front was down here too. It was like 12 degrees. Um, highs were in the 20s. And I was like, oh, deer cast was great. Yeah. And I'm telling you, like clockwork, uh, Friday evening, I, I left because Natasha wanted me home. Natasha and I, we, I was with the boys for a couple of days. Left that evening, daylight, three shooters daylight. Oh, yeah. That Love morning, guys. daylight, Christmas morning, daylight. I was like, God, you know, here comes the hot weather. Yeah. And, a lot of guys know. were cringing on Christmas, thinking, I mean, hey, should we, be we the have stand. the week between Christmas and New Year's off here at the studio. And my plan was uh, most of it was family filled with family stuff, but there was a couple days there, and it's and in Missouri, it was the um, primitive method season, so muzzleloader season. And 
I'm like, all right, well, you know, planning it. It's like, all right, I'm going to get at least a couple of days of, of muzzleloader hunting in. And, and of course those days it warmed up. Get your tank top, get your foot. Yeah. It, it was ridiculous. And then it's like, all right, well, after new year's, there's going to be a couple of days where, you know, it's, I think it was through January 3rd that season. It's like, all right, we're going to come more days. We'll try to get it done. It was literally 68 degrees yesterday. Stupid Just, no, 72 yesterday. I broke a record mm -hmm. in St. Louis. Yeah. So, all the concrete <laughs> sweating around here. Yeah. It's, it's like, all right. So I didn't go, I didn't want to waste my time, even though it's like, man, I'm with a gun, anything can happen. It's like, no, I know better. What'd your uh, cameras look like? Oh, it was an hour and a half past dark until yep. anything worth a shit was moving. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it, you, you know, I've been on this farm two years now and I know how they are. It has to be perfect in order for deer to move. And so like this afternoon, I know you're hunting, I'm hunting. It's, it's, it's not perfect, but it's as good as it's going to be. Relatively good. Yeah. And yeah. so we're getting goods on, on deer cast. It's not as cold as it should be for this mm -hmm. time of year, but it's yeah. a, a major difference from yesterday and the day before and really the last 10 days. So we're going to give it a whirl. But it, of course, today it's back to archery season. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I didn't even it's load my muzzleloader. <laughs> didn't had it in my truck all season. Never even got it put, put, put Best a stab in plans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So, yeah, I mean, I, I I guarantee you there was a lot of guys at Christmas looking at their trail cameras, just shaking their heads. What time we eating uh, lunch <laughs> yeah. here and how quickly yeah. can I get out? Yeah. So. Well, what, over the Christmas break, one of our uh, rack packers, uh, Chris Johnson, Captain Crazy's Nuts, <laughs> sent us in a real wild clip. And he's he's so he's a southern guy. He's down in Florida. Florida. He talked and you talked to him a little bit. It sounds mm -hmm. like it's crazy down there. Kind of like what Steve's saying is like it could be five miles away in a completely different you know, rut activity. Yeah, he said we've got like four months of a range of of deer that can be running on the same property. You have a range of four months of where some deer could be in rut mode and some are past it and some are pre and it's crazy. But this this clip is not about whitetails. He's sitting in his muddy blind, eight foot up on in a Florida? platform in Florida. And uh, you got to hear what yeah, how this clip starts out. Hear or see? What am I doing? Hear it and watch it. Okay, I don't think I can do both. All right, so he's in a blind. Is that a black bear? That is a, a sub-adult, and it's barking because it misses its mommy. Its mommy's right there. It's triplet. So there's, th there's three sub-adults and then the mom, and she was on one side of the blind, and the cubs were on the other, and Chris is saying that that was a little too close for comfort. I guess I didn't realize Florida had that did that they had black bears. <laughs> I I don't know. I Chris said they're all over the place, especially in this area because there's they don't allow bear hunting, and so they're kind of like big raccoons yeah. that they've got access to trash. They've got no natural predators except for if they swim in the ocean, then they'll get eaten by a shark or an alligator. Gators. Yeah. Pythons, <laughs> but, but, but in general, it's like, it's, they're, they're just living their best life. They're pretty close to them there. It looks like uh, a scene out of jungle book, the bare necessities. Yes. They're just kind of walking through yes. a single file. And, and he said he's never seen them in person, but they've been all over his cameras. I wonder and, if he uses some of his nuts, that, <laughs> not his nuts, not those nuts. Oh, okay. It's the ones that he sends here. <laughs> those, it's a good question. I'm going to stop. <laughs> I was going to say those yummy. <laughs> well, I, I asked him, I said, so does that pretty much end your deer hunt for the night because that was an evening hunt and he said actually the deer are kind of used to coexisting with the bears so if it were at, at very last light 
or if there were a feeder nearby, then it would be a different story. But he said they just kind of moved through, and he still has got a little bit of time at the end of the day. He just got maple, brown, pecans all <laughs> right, over. This is a bad choice. <laughs> Peanut br- Honey brittle boys, everywhere. Pecans. <laughs> all right, that's pretty cool. Thank you yeah. for sending it in, Captain Crazy. Yeah, appreciate that. All right, so let's get into the question of the day. So there's been some confusion. I'm going to say the question of the day is proudly presented Loud by Deer Grow. Not probably, prob, proudly. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so Deer Grow. This is a new partner for us. Simply spray on to unlock the nutrients in your soil and grow some killer food plots. So we've been using this for the past couple of years. Aaron Bennett turned us on to it. And I don't know if Whitetail Properties has a, a partnership with them or not. I don't I don't remember how that came to fruition, but we've been using it for a few years on our food plots. Mm-hmm. And it is awesome. I mean, it is a really cool product. 100%. I'm going to be using it this year, trying to get some clover to grow. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyhow, that it's proudly, guys. Rack pack, get your head out of your butt. Probably. <laughs> Definitely not proudly. Proudly. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, my name is Mike. My question of the day is, what do you do for scent control when you eat or drink when you're in an open tree stand? Any ideas would be great. Uh, Use scent control for clothing, but what's curious about uh, food and drink? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Good question. It's a great question for Steve, especially because I know you're, you know, when you go on your rut tour, you're logging some time in the stand and probably doing some eating too. What, so we'll let you go first. What do you do during the rut? You're in a stand. What do you do for scent control with the food you're going to eat or the drinks that you're going to drink? Well, you know, I personally, just to be quite honest with you, I know that if I'm going to sit in a stand for a long period of time and, and try to sit there all day during the rut, I got to have something to eat. So I'm going to have to just you know, take the chance, but Hey, you know what? They're probably like the smell of my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So I'm not real worried about <laughs> what I'm eating. As far as my, as far as my drink, it's going to be a water or a diet Coke. And I'm going to have a cap on, I'm going to pop it, take me a swig and pop it back. So, I mean, certain things, I think just me personally, I've never read too much into that. Me personally. Um, but you know, I, I'm normally having a sandwich with me and a Ziploc bag, you know, and I'm I, and I got a bottle of something to drink in there, a couple sandwiches maybe, and and I might have me a mug of coffee sitting there too, and that's probably got a good odor that deer probably would be like, what the heck is that? But you know, if I'm going to stay in my in the game after grinding for getting up at three thirty every morning and hunting for you know eighteen days straight, yeah. I might want a mug of coffee with me in the stand. I'm just going to take the chance. But but yeah, you know, I've never really thought of that. I mean, I have one in the stand, but you know, at the end of the day. I could either sit there and not have any food or drink, kill, be killing it and give me an excuse to get out of stand at 930. Mm-hmm. Or I could just take some and just take the chances. You know Definitely what I mean? But then, right. Personally, I, I have thought about this. And even in, like when we're hunting in the box blinds, which are, you know, relatively scent proof, we're kind of crazy about it. Like I take those first form protein sticks with me mm-hmm. and there's definitely a, a strong, you know, smell to that when you open it up and just think like beef jerk jerky or anything yeah. like that or even their protein bars that's that's what i take and but i always get a bottle of water and like steve said well the water wouldn't smell anyways but i mean if you're taking a soda or something screw the cap on when you're done and put mm-hmm. it back in your bag but for me 
for the actual snacks, like I always roll, I try to just, if I'm going to eat it, I eat it, get it done and put it, put the wrapper back in like a scent proof part of the, Mm. the tinsing pack that I'm using. Mm. And so that, that's kind of what it's almost like my trash can, but a Ziploc bag would work the same for you. I mean, if you had a Ziploc bag and Mm -hmm. stuffed all the, you know, the wrappers or whatever into that, and then put that back in your bag and zip that up. I mean, I would think that would kind of take care of it. Yeah. And you know, not to make myself sound like a better deer hunter than you guys, but I'll only eat things that based on what you've killed. So, Hey, that hurts. You don't need (laughs) to say the better hunter. So I'll bring acorns, <laughs> persimmons, ryegrass, yeah. and oats. Corn. Mm-hmm. Soybeans. <laughs> raw soybeans. You're eating a corn on the cob. <laughs> and, and I'll drink water from a puddle that I walk past. Yeah. So yeah, I don't have to worry about it. Tim's just using that for an excuse now so he's got it on video. Just in case a couple of his corn kernels fall on the ground underneath his tree. Yeah, side. that's right. Apple <laughs> corn. That is my food. A lot of apple big. cores around Tim's stand. <laughs> There's a lot of pine nuts on the ground here. These don't occur naturally. All right. Well, thanks, Mike, for the question. And uh, I don't know when you submitted that, but it was probably pretty recently. Here. Oh, really? I yeah. was going to say probably during the rut. Yeah. No, no. We it have was so like, many questions. We just can't get to them This all. came within the last week or so. Uh, so, yeah, Mike, uh, give me a shout out via the Rack Pack and we'll get you a podcast hat sent to you. And if you guys have questions you want answered on the air and we answer them on the air, we will send you a hat. You can wear it. Probably. <laughs> and now the wildlife word. It's brought to you by Live Doppler Radar and DeerCast Maps. Is it probably brought to you by or just brought to you by? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) See current and forecasted precipitation animated directly onto your hunting areas. Especially if you have snow coming in. I don't think that. So Missouri season ends on the 15th. The the fourteen day forecast, you know, looking at it like at New Year's, you know, New Year's Day, not looking good. I don't think we're gonna get some snow. I really thought you were gonna say, I don't think so, Tim. Well, hold on. I don't think so, Tim. Hey, that's great. We got a soundboard to back us up. That's right. <laughs> okay, so a whitetail's winter coat is so thermally efficient that A, it absorbs sound and creates a sphere of silence around the deer. B, time slows down near its surface. That's efficient. C, preserved deer hides are used as heat shields for Bosnian spacecraft reentry. Or D, falling snow can accumulate on it. How thermally efficient are whitetails' coats? Steve, what do you think, buddy? A, B, C, or D? Steve's like, all of the above. Hey, Steve's like, I didn't know there was going to be a test here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm going with D. Falling snow can accumulate D. on it. D. You are correct. <clears throat> I don't even know if Bosnia has a space program. Well, that's what I was wondering. That's what <laughs> threw me off there. I yeah, thought. Steve, what do you, do you know? Yeah, that one threw me off too. That's why I thought this might be a trick question. <laughs> Your instincts serve you well, sir. We don't have any shout outs this week? None. No way. None. All you guys right. that listen to the show and enjoy it for free sitting there without giving us a review or a shout out you're stealing from us and our children and future generations of deer hunters but y'all don't say that (laughs) oh this is you want to punch me right now but you won't if we could line up all of our listeners and just (laughs) go down the line just punch everyone right in the face (laughs) 
that's a new way to thank your viewers and listeners. <laughs> you got to listen to this one podcast, like the 100% one. Rochambeau. They, they <laughs> These guys threaten their listeners. It's crazy. Very yeah. aggressive. <laughs> I, I do want to say thank we did it on the 300th episode, but thank you to our listeners. We had a really good year. We're starting to go through like our year in numbers and we like tripled our listens and which is we have three now. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying a lot, but but our our listeners, like you guys, the Rack Pack, uh, all, everyone on Facebook, you are loyal and you guys listen closely. Like you guys pick up on stuff that like probably, probably, yeah, yeah, <laughs> stuff that we just kind of think are a throwaway line, and you guys pick up on it. And for what it's worth, I was not drunk on the burritos and margaritas podcast. No. <clears throat> Despite what some of you rack packers Just, thought, you Christmas cheer. That's right. I'm full of Christmas cheer. It wasn't. It was things. actually. Uh, I was a little delirious from the hunting season. <laughs> I just posted on Instagram I was, yesterday. I was like, I need a mental health check after 2022. Yes. Like, yeah. Just go away. My sister-in-law for Christmas. Sometimes it's better to just not give someone a Christmas present than to give a crappy Christmas <laughs> oh, present. I got a pillow that says, hello, dear season. Goodbye, husband. <laughs> was it from the My Pillow okay. guy? No, it wasn't even a good pillow. <laughs> like one of the ones that you move to sit down on something. Man, your sister's going to hear this. Did you say your sister? Sister-in-law. Oh. Yeah. I was like, you don't have a sister. Yeah. No, my sister-in-law is in Alabama. Oh, down so, there with Steve. Down by Enterprise. <sighs> she don't listen. I'm safe. <laughs> but our Rack Pack members do listen, and we got a bunch of new ones. All right, so every week... We uh, read off a bunch of new Rack Pack member names every week. I butcher them every week. Tim puts a fake name in there for me. I would want to say that if you want to join the Rack Pack, all you got to do is go to Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's a private Facebook group. Very Type private. in Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Rack Pack or Drury Outdoors Rack Pack. It'll mm-hmm. come up. All right. So we have Matt Smith, Mitchell Lineman, Miles Thompson, Nick Gray, let me get my bifocals out here. Willen Ridge. Willen Ridge. Wilhen. Is uh, there an M Wilhelm, there? Yeah, the printing kind of screwed up. Wilhelm. Wilhelm Ridge. I'm going to go back to that one. Daryl Bradley, yeah. David William, Abigail Schrock, Hunter Sailors. Hmm. Hmm. Hunter Sailors. You always got to say it in a bunch of different ways or say it out loud. Yeah, times. change the syllables a little bit. Wilhelm Ridge. Wilhelm Ridge. Dude, you got it. Yes, I don't know what it means. Oh. Will bleed. Huh? W- Wilhelm Ridge. Ah, damn it. I, I really didn't get it. I just knew that looked <laughs> really weird. It looked weird. Yeah. <laughs> Wilhelm Ridge. Wilhelm Ridge. Yeah. Wilhelm Ridge. If you shoot a deer, right. He's not a real Rack Pack gonna... member. Steve, are you in the Rack Pack? Absolutely. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're going to lie, you might as well be like a opposite. Of course I am. You, sir, are a liar. <laughs> Abigail, Abigail, when she joined, she said she joined because uh, showing off her hunting knowledge impresses her husband. So oh. it was like, well, you come I, to the wrong place. So lady. it's funny. The, yesterday I was looking at like our podcast, the listen stats, and it has like where people listen from and like the demographics. And yeah. it was very predominantly male. Yes. <laughs> and so every time we get a female in the rack pack, I'm like, Why? this is fake. This is fake <laughs> this news. be real. And so I often wonder if the ra- some of the rack pack members aren't actually listeners. 
Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Like especially when you see someone's been added by someone. Yeah. They're probably. If we were a company that promoted a podcast, uh-huh. we would maybe put clips in that rack pack to show that it's uh, about a podcast. But we not, don't do that. <laughs> it's not just a gang of uh, deer hunters. Yes, the rack it's pack. It's a violence gang. <laughs> All right. So, well, Steve. So, um, so to wrap up here, do you got any more tags to fill? Are you doing any more hunting? Or are you pretty much wrapping? No, man, we, um, we just getting started down here in Alabama. I got, which obviously I, I haven't killed a deer in Bama just cause I, I put my boys before me, obviously mm. in a couple of years. Um, but I'm able to go when they're in school with a couple of times I can take off, but no, yeah, I got, I got three tags. I got, you can kill three bucks in Alabama. Um, so my boys definitely got some tags. Um, I probably ain't got enough deer that we want to shoot for the amount of tags we have. But actually, I take that back. I've got a, a lease yeah. down the road from my place that's got some good deer on it too. So you might—you never know what what might happen by the end of this year, because you know, and the and the lease is in an area where the rut's going to hit a little different than where it's, that's kind of what's nice. And and another thing too about me in the Midwest, when I go up there, my farm's resting, and it's kind of the same thing where the guys down here in Alabama. And there's a lot of big, like I said, timber company land. There's a bunch of big hunting clubs down here um, where there's, depending on the property, there's 15, 20, 30 members. And those guys, you know, especially if that's the only place they're hunting, it's hunting season. They're going hunting, right? Yeah. And the pressure starts getting in the woods. And then my farm's laying, laying stagnant there while I'm going in the Midwest. And uh, so it, it's definitely going up there, too, kind of helps me, too, sure. not to just make dumb decisions yeah, from a, be tempted. you know, being right where I'm pressuring up my place. But yeah, we, uh, we got the good hunting's yet to come here in Alabama. Well, everyone keep an eye on deer cast. Cause I'm sure Steve and his, uh, his crew of merry deer killers will be showing up some more in the journal section. All right. Well, we appreciate you jumping on Steve and good luck the rest of the way here, buddy. Absolutely. Y'all go kill one tonight. Quit playing around now. Oh, we're oh, going to, okay. we're going to go we're out. Gonna <laughs> oh, we're going to kill some time. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck to everyone that's uh, still out there kind of good scrounging rest. to try to take something Those happen. other losers. <laughs> yeah, right. We're a band of merry losers. All right. Well, until next time, peace out. See ya. DeerCast is now supercharged with maps. Get ahead of your game with killer new features like live Doppler radar, wind check out to five days, virtual rain gauges, GPS path tracking, and more. Plus, get our 14-day revolutionary DeerCast prediction and access to DeerCast track. Prep, predict, and pursue with DeerCast. DeerCast.